We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself, Mark Crossfield, and Lou Stagner and Scott Fawcett. Today we're going to be talking strategy, something so many golfers could benefit from having, I think, better knowledge. And it's a a subject that's changing so rapidly over the last few years of how people understand strategy and compared to maybe some of the cliches that they uh, have heard in the past. So it should be a fun episode. Hopefully we can help you all play some better welcome lou and scott how are you both talk, uh, doing today we're talking strategy right up both of your alleys i would say isn't it i hope, so. hope so yeah i'm gonna fire it off with the first question then how important do day-to-day golfers think strategy actually is who wants to take that one first i'm gonna let scott take that one yeah he's yeah, i'll jump on it real quick I, Obviously, with when I created Decade, you know, I'm not a traditional golf instructor, so I really didn't realize how much of a void there is in just course management instruction. Obviously, when I was playing in my 20s professionally, I, I mean, I went out for playing lessons with my teaching pro, but I even then I was like, I'm better than this guy. What necessarily makes whatever he's saying actually correct? And so I knew there was a, a bit of a bias in there just from that. And I think the main thing that people struggle with working on strategy is golf is just a game of such imperfect feedback, imperfect information. The analogy I always use is if you were working on your serve in tennis in a parking lot and you've got this just great motion and then you show up at a match and all of a sudden there's a net and lines, you're like, what is this? And that's really the way practice is, you know, which is where I would assume 98% of instruction actually occurs is on the range. So it's the only sport in the world that you're not practicing on the course. You're not with your instructor for the vast majority of the time on the course. It's just a really flawed game. And then you've got this just imperfect feedback of you can hit a very functional tee shot on a range that looks awful. But if you actually got out on the course, it would, you know, may not be ideal, but it certainly wouldn't be terrible is again, if now let's take ourselves out of the parking lot in our tennis lesson and put us on a court, at least I'm getting feedback. That serve was good. That serve was good. That serve was good. That one was bad by how much. And that's just, you just don't get that at all in golf. And that's really the biggest problem in my six years of experience now teaching this. 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And I think that's a great point. I used to say to the students, I used to teach a lot of beginner golfers back when I was a younger coach. And I would say to them, like, you've got to stick with it. This is one of the only games where if you, I use tennis as an analogy as well. I would say to them, if you were having tennis lessons with me now, we would be stood on a tennis court. There would be a net. It might be lowered down, but we would be in effect playing the game, a version of the game that you will play. Where I was telling them this, on a range or an indoor studio saying so, like you won't go out on a golf course for six eight weeks i mean from a raw beginner if i can get my goal was always to get someone on a golf course within six weeks and that was like they had to show really commit good commitment for that so i think it's a great analogy just for the listeners who um are not aware what decade is scott's obviously you you were the creator of decade it, it's a it's a strategic platform that allows people to really plan their way around a golf course in a really sensible way i mean let you scott you just quickly two one minute little um advert for decade there for the people who don't know what decade is well essentially back in 2013 i got my amateur status back and i kind of a math data excel nerd um, i'm realizing less of an excel nerd than i thought i was with when i realized how good guys are like lou with manipulating the shotlink database but essentially i knew i could combine trackman shot patterns and strokes gained, strokes to hole out metrics, and in essence, solve course management. It, it was always kind of an elusive, mystical uh, genre of the game to me. And so to really just be able to use data to say, this is where you should aim this shot. And, you know, if you get a good playing professional or a good teaching professional, I mean, guys like Butch Harmon, Claude Harmon, those guys have been giving great playing lessons forever. Chuck Cook, I can name quite a few. But we've now laid numbers to that to where a player can go out on their own and recreate that that decision loop. And, and in essence, like you're saying, there's no other sport, every other sport, basketball, football, soccer, they're all practiced and taught on the field of competition. And the field of competition is identical from venue to venue. That's really the main challenge in golf is you got desert, you got mountains, you got beach, you got trees, you got all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's no... Even the, the golf courses that are uh, the, the tribute type courses where they're replica holes, even those things aren't very good at re you know, replicating the holes that they are attempting to. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lou, what about for you, day-to-day -day golfers, your average golfer strategy, how far up is it their list of important ideas? What do you think? I think for most golfers, it's it's down the list. I think that's starting to change a little bit more as, you know, strokes gain came on the scene when, when Brody brought that to the table and then Scott extending that with decade and applying math to making decisions. And, you know, golf is ultimately about a, a series of decisions in minimizing trouble by picking optimal aim locations. And you'll hear people um, say, you know, we, we've always had core strategy. We always knew to aim to the fat side of the green. And the difference now is we can tell you using math, well, yes, we want you to aim towards the fat side of the green, but we want you to aim nine yards from the edge of the green. It's not just an arbitrary target somewhere on the fat side of the green. It's a very specific target, and it takes into account situations of, uh, of, of wind. It takes into account if there's hazards on one side or the other, the difficulty of the hazard. Is it just a, is it just a deep trap, or is it water? Is it OB? Whatever the case may be, we can factor that all in taking into account your dispersion pattern and pick optimal targets. So I think that's the big shift in core strategy. And I think in the past they were, 
they were a lot of strategy was on anecdote. It was whoever was the the good player of the day and whatever they they said in in a golf digest article or or maybe a book that they wrote is what people believe to be the correct way and uh, not too long ago, I went back through Tom Watson's strategic golf book and not to pick on Tom Watson. He's that's one, what I was thinking about. You know, he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And you read through his book and, and I won't go through it page by page. But one of the things that really stood out to me was he was talking about a short par four and talking about trying to um, intentionally put the ball in the rough to have a better angle. And we just know, now that we understand the numbers, we know that that is just not the way you should play the game. And so I think a lot of that is just continued to stay around uh, in golfers' minds with how they should approach course strategy. But that's changed significantly over the last 10 years. And when you look at the PGA Tour data, not to get into that, but you can see the shift in PGA Tour play and what they're doing and how they're playing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The one thing that I'll add on to that is, is just this emotion removal. And that's one of the key you know, components, in my opinion, of decade is it allows you to just completely remove emotion from the decision making process. And the analogy that I use is, you know, and I think I might have actually used it in the first podcast or two, but when a plane, when a jet is crashing, you don't want your pilot up there just throwing the clipboard in the air and running all around the cockpit freaking out. You want them to sit down and go through a rational decision chain. And that's essentially what the decade, you know, six step, you know, it's just a, a normal mnemonic device. Uh, decision processes to where you you just remove that emotion and you go through these steps and yes I know how far I should you know I need to laser how far I am or, or whatever but removing that emotion when you're in the 18th fairway trying to break 80 90 70 for the first time trying to win a golf tournament it's not quite as severe the uh, the outcome the punishment if you is, is crashing a jet but internally I mean you're pretty much going haywire and removing that emotion from decisions is really one of the key components, I think, of everything. Yeah, I mean, anyone listening who plays this game of any level, and certainly your average day-to-day golfer who maybe is spending more time on their swing than they are thinking about their strategy, which is a point we're going to come to. Um, When you mention emotion, I mean, golf is just a bag of emotions for most golfers. (laughs) I mean, most golfers are playing, I always think from my teaching experience, in a petrified state. This is why so many arguments and what have you happen on golf courses about slow play. Like, Have you ever noticed how if you're four under par, slow play isn't such a big issue as it is when you're 10 over par. It's like one of those ultimate cliches that when you're on a club course, someone's having a bad day. It's a little bit slow because it's busy and they, you know, it's because it's slow. The emotions is just everything and the actual strategy and sense kind of, like you say, goes out of the window. Imagine what that's like when you hosel three in a row, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't, but but that's my world. You just crack the beers open (laughs) and just get on with having fun or maybe you doing that um so compared to swing let's compare it to golf swing so how much your day-to-day golfer is comparing 
how much they should think about strategy to how much they're thinking about golf swing. Now, I know this is a generalized question because different day-to-day golfers have to think about their swings in different amounts. I mean, I've just got a good example where I did last year or the year before, I think it was two years ago, I did a series on my YouTube channel called The Journey. And I chose um, five or six students for six months tuition. So the tuition was spaced over six months. They paid a bigger fee. Uh, well, it's actually a cheaper fee than an hourly rate normally, but it was, you know, they paid for it, a good commitment. I wanted to commit to them for six months. They were going to commit to me. And I'll never fe- forget one of them who came for his first lesson. And I asked him like, you know, what's letting you down? He said, oh, my iron play is just approach. Play is just rubbish. And he stood on the mat and it's seven irons inside in a mat with a launch monitor. And he was zero path, zero face, full down. Everything went pretty flag. And I looked at him and said, like, like if you're going to do that, you might as well go home because I can't do anything with that. Like you just hit the flag 12 out of 12 goes. So what we did is we walked out onto the first hole, the course I was at, at the time, put him that seven um, iron distance out and it was on a downhill slope and I would call it a downhill slope, but it was a downhill slope that if I was on, I would barely think about being on a downhill slope with a seven iron. Like it was, it was downhill, but it wasn't massive. I wouldn't, it wouldn't panic me with my approach play. And he topped the first three I put there just straight off the bat. And I just thought, yeah, like what are we doing inside? This guy has no idea how to apply his swing ideas in different strategic positions, uphill, downhill, when there's water short, bunkers left, bunkers right. So for me, um, I think golfers are heavily into swing. Obviously, I'm in this section and I post about it on social all the time and what have you, where strategy, they think it's a basic understanding. So what, what would your experience be if day-to-day golfers swing compared to strategy what do they think? You know, what percentage do they give to each? And what should they think, in your opinion? Scott, I'll chuck that at you to start. Well, I, I honestly, when I first quit playing professional golf, I started an electricity company. And for those first three to five years, I probably played in 10 to 20 charity scrambles a year or client golf. And every single time on about the third hole, the client would say, hey, what am I doing wrong? And I would always just be like, that's just not what I do. But if you just listen to me and, and just let me tell you what shot to hit and when to hit it and everything, I promise you, you'll you'll play good. And to be perfectly honest, I wish I had tracked the numbers, but I would bet you at least 25 to you know 50% of the time, the person shot either their personal best or within a shot or two of it. And it always reminded me later on whenever I started teaching course management kind of accidentally and reading a lot of books just to see like, what, how has this traditionally been taught? But the inside jacket of Raymond Floyd's book, uh, I think it's The Art of Scoring, it says even if you and I had the identical skills, I would still beat you 99 times out of 100 just from knowing how to play the game. And a truer statement has never been made. And that's the thing. I I get the feedback all the time with the Decade app. I'll get somebody who shoots 90 and they're like, well, I've, I've got to work on my physical skills until I get better and then I'll worry about strategy. And it's actually kind of a paradox because once you get to become a really good ball striker, you think you can hit more shots than you actually can. And it's a really hard time to learn strategy because you think you can do anything. So like Will Zalatoris, obviously I caddied for him when he won the Texas Amateur and U.S. Junior. And clearly he's done some great things this year on the PGA Tour. And he's one of the best ball strikers that's ever walked the planet, even as a 17-year-old. And so here he is out there with just a nine iron from the fairway at the time he liked hitting kind of a slingy draw. And, you know, the pin would be on the right side and everything's just a perfect little setup. He's like, I'm just going to cut this over there. And it's like, 
we all try way too many shots, especially the good ball strikers. And the main thing that I always then tried to tell that 90 shooter was, do you believe that if I thought for you right now, you would shoot five to even seven or eight shots lower? And they always say, yes. I'm like, then that's the goal is to get my brain into your body as efficiently as possible. And you don't need to hit the ball better to shoot lower. Obviously there's a limit. I can take a guy who shoots, you know, averages 90. I can get them to average 85 almost overnight. Now, after that, we've obviously got to start working on our physical skills, but just seeing some success quickly really lets people just jump in and get excited and kind of commit to it in, in my experience. So arguably you're saying there it's 50, 50, isn't it? I mean, cause if it doesn't, if you think about it, it doesn't matter what your ability is. Every shot needs management. If I have 40 yard slice, it needs to be managed and that can be managed in a swing change while at the same time it can be managed by aiming 40 yards left. I mean, I, the amount of students who come to me in cuts, but they disperse into like a blooming, you know, like a soup bowl, but they're all 30 yards right. I just like the amount of them people I've said, why don't you say 30 yards left and cut them all onto that center line? Well, that's not a lesson. They would say to me, well, I've just made you hit target. Like, how can that not be a lesson? <laughs> because they feel like swing is the thing where it, really it's 50-50, surely, because every shot you hit from an inch putt to a 30-foot putt to a chip has to have some kind of premeditated management. Is that fair, Lou? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good way to think about it. I've always found it interesting with strategy. I, I feel like with the experiences I've had, golfers are more prone to dismiss strategy very quickly. And uh, I think they, they, they put too much, um, too much stock into the last outcome. So I'll give you an example. One of the players that I was working with, really good amateur player, and we were mapping out his home course, preparing for his club championship. And there was a particular hole where he had always laid up off the tee. And when we did the math around that, it was obvious to me that he should be hitting driver. I walked him through the math and he had this moment where he realized, yes, driver is the play on this particular hole. He went out in a practice round and in that practice round on that swing hitting driver, he flared one off 40 yards right, buried it in the trees, you know, bounced around, made a double and called me up and said, I'm never going to hit driver on that hole. It's just the wrong play. And, and I tried to tell him, you cannot base sample size of one. strategy <laughs> on a sample size of one, right? These Likely these, an uncommitted sample size right, of one. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I, I feel like golfers, in my experience, are much they, they, they are much more quick to throw away the idea of strategy and picking optimal targets and making decisions they normally wouldn't have made in the past when one thing goes wrong. And, and so I, I feel like that is why, you know, strategy, one of the reasons why strategy takes such a backseat to working on the physical part of the game, working on the swing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't even think that it has to always do with just target selection either. It's shot selection and, and just the realities of what you are and aren't capable of. Obviously, I talk nonstop about, you know, one shape and one shape only. And I'll get people all the time that tell me, well, I've got to do this or that. And I'm like, I'm a plus five. I'm not a PGA Tour player, but I'm pretty good at golf. And those are only from tournament scores in the last year. And I know how to hit a draw, obviously, but I never hit a draw. So to the to the two and the five and the ten handicap telling me they've got to hit both ways, I'm like, I can give you a shot a hole and still beat you and only hit a cut. You you gain such a command of that one shot and just so yes, it is strategy about targets, but also just in understanding how to play the game. There was a tweet just in the last couple of days where somebody threw out there saying, "What's the hardest shot to, to hit?" And everybody's like a flop shot over a bunker, uh, this to a tucked pin and just all the stuff. And I retweeted it basically saying anyone who answered anything other than a non-stock shot, like you're missing the plot. Those are the easiest shots in the world to hit. Don't hit them. And <laughs> like I suck at this shot. Well, then maybe we should choose a different shot. And, and sometimes just that, you know, in and of itself will help people knock a few shots off their score yeah 100 percent. and i think that leads into ideas of i mean that's where swing and strategy for me are so interlinked because like i say every shot you hit you need to have a strategy if you want to pull it off there has to be some you know pre-med ideas of what you are trying to hit and the amount of students i've been on out, out on the golf course and i ask them to tell me what they're doing here and it is literally just hit it over there you know it's like i'm just gonna hope it goes over there i think that lots of golfers as well are, are scared to have a strategy because obviously it highlights how much you fail a little bit and people don't like to fail so one of the things i've noticed when people start using stat-based products arcos or shot scope those kind of consumerable um stat-based products is people pull out of them quite quick. And I remember this with game golf. I started working with game golf years ago when they first hit, because it was so ahead of the curve. And I thought like, this is amazing. It's delivering stats that could help so many golfers. So many golfers who just didn't believe the scores they were having, like their perception of the scores they have was so far off the mark that they stopped using it. Cause it actually, it was like too much of a reality check for lots of golfers. And I think sometimes with strategy, the reality of how difficult this is makes it easier to do what Lou was saying there, which is just to give up straight away. Cause like, you know, I, I play tennis as a hobby and I'm okay, but my serve is certainly not my strongest part. Uh, and I have a strategy. I'm a left-hander. So I have some advantages on right-handers hitting to their backhand on certain sides. And I try and hit there one or two start missing. And I'm as, as you know, as easy, as easily persuaded out of my strategy sometimes as the golfers are. Cause I just want to stop failing. I just want it to go in and get the rally going. So I think where it can be so great for helping people manage their emotions at the same time, it can heighten almost the state of panic they're in to a certain extent. Does that make sense? Well, the one thing that I was thinking as you're talking is back whenever I was in my twenties playing professionally, I, I don't even know. I played maybe six or eight uh, corn Ferry, you know, Nike tour events at the time I played in the U S open. So I didn't really play a whole lot with caddies, but I always hated when I did play with caddies and I kind of knew it internally, but I didn't really ever put my finger on it until starting to teach this and having conversations, be quite honest with the number of PGA Tour players and, and lesser type players on the corn fair where they're like, I hate playing with caddies because I hate pick, calling a target because I know I'm never going to hit it there. And I was a great ball striker in my 20s and I never realized 
the reason I'm hating this local kid isn't because he knows nothing about golf. It's because I don't want to say I'm aiming at that tree and, and then shove it 20 feet and hit it to a foot from the pin and not be able to take credit. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that, you know, as I always talk about the shotgun shot pattern instead of a sniper rifle, I didn't really understand that that's just reality. And if I had had maybe a consistent you know, a veteran caddy to be able to, to, to grab me by the ears and be like, dude, you have no idea where it's going within a finite sense. And that's okay. We're going to figure out how to get this around the course because you know you hit it better than everyone else out here, but you're not actually then using that to your advantage. And I, I just never realized that, like you say, just I hated caddies simply because I didn't like having to tell people where I was going intending to hit the shot because I oh, knew I wasn't yeah. going to do it. I hated caddies. I hated caddies. <laughs> I, I, I all like there was very few people who could ever caddy for me when I was playing. Um, I have, I, I, I needed to use my emotions to my advantage. And sometimes this sounds awful, but sometimes for me, I had to give up. Like I had to in around, just let it go. Cause if it didn't, it beat me up so much inside. And I used to get that caddy. He would go, come on, head down, keep going. I literally just wanted to punch him. Cause I just wanted to, like, I'm done. <laughs> There's five holes left. I'm not winning this event. I'm done. Let's just finish. Um, I hear you there, Scott. So, I, I mean, I definitely think people are much more heavily towards swing than they are strategy, and I would like to see it balance out a lot more. And I do think it's shifting. And I think guys like yourself, certainly on social, are creating great storms around some strategy ideas in ways that make people just – like like strategy's already always been a thing but you're just delivering it in a way that's making people think oh yeah that makes sense i might you know might try it, it it's it's about inspiring an audience to try something which uh, in golf you know it can get stale at times it's been around a long time and some of the voices in golf aren't always the best um kind of knowledgeable voices and you know people kind of give up on the ideas yeah using satellites i think is really like a a quantum shift or a fundamental change Massive. in how you think about the game because, and I still see it when I go out to PGA tour and corn fair events where I'll see some caddies walking the course backwards, because that's what we were told to do 10, 20 years ago. And I, I, I can remember walking a course backwards. Like I've done it too. And it really is totally pointless. Um, you're trying to see it from how the architect designed it and all this stuff. It's like, or you could just look at a satellite image of it and completely remove any and all doubt, lay a few of your shot patterns over it and all the mysticism of course design blind shots. I would play a course with 18 blind tee shots and be more confident than anything because I know at least half the field, three quarters of the field, isn't putting in the work in advance. Yeah. I'm hitting a shot in, into what looks like the oblivion, a British Open shot where you're like, I have no idea where the fairway is but I've laid this out on a satellite. I know exactly where the fairway is and it really becomes, I'm not going to say simple at that point. It takes a lot of, you know, courage to dig deep and, you know, muster up and hit it as hard as you can and just trust the fairways out there somewhere. Yeah. But once you understand that and how to practice that way, it really makes the game a lot easier. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, That moves me on to my last point then. Um, Any quick tips, quick fire tips for the day-to-day golfer to help them with their strategy? Any ideas? Lou, you've got any quick fire tips that might help people with their strategy? Lou obviously works closely with quite a few very skilled players with their strategy. Um, Your day-to-day golfer, what could they do? What could they take to the range, to the course to help them? I I think one of the biggest ones is one of the oldest cliches. uh, If the pin is on the right, aim for the left side of the fairway because you want the better angle. And that is a, is a, is a big mistake. Uh, do angles occasionally matter? Yes, they occasionally matter. They occasionally make a slight difference, but 
in order to chase that angle, in order to get the better angle, you have to aim closer to trouble. And aiming closer to trouble is going to offset any advantage you get from having the quote unquote better angle. So the ideal uh, path for the amateur is to take and center their shot pattern over the middle of the fairway, or in the case, if you're trying to avoid something like a bunker on the right, you know, you shift it away from that just, just a bit, but not trying to find a specific side of the fairway. That's one of the biggest ones that, uh, that I would start off with. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's definitely a cliche that's still, yeah, I see that brandished around still very much now. I like that. I actually, I like expanding on that one because I've got yeah. a, a concept. If you think of a Venn diagram where you've got these two overlapping circles where the middle is, is the, the mutual, uh, you know, synergies between the two ideas, that's the way getting that angle. I mean, again, this is where I think people don't understand Lou and I sometimes on social media, when we're saying angles don't matter. No, we're well aware that angles, as Lou just said, sometimes I would even say relatively often matter, but there's never enough width on an architecturally interesting golf course to chase that angle. And so if the pin is on the right, as Lou was just saying, and the proper angle is from the left, well, my shot pattern is a plus five handicap with my driver 70 yards wide. If I'm aiming at the middle of the fairway, the left side of my shot pattern, in theory, the left 35 yards is where I should hit half of my tee shots. That's going to kind of get that angle. But the, the Venn diagram, if I start trying to shift that to the left in order to gain that angle, the left side of my shot pattern is now in the trees, the hazard, the bunker. Surely there's something left we want to avoid on 99% of holes, like, like really far left, 40, 50 yards left. And so that's the, the key that I think people miss on this angle hunting. We're, we're aware that it, it matters. But as Lou's data shows, quite often on the PGA Tour, they actually score higher with the, you know, air quotes, correct angle. And that's because the tour player thinks, all right, I got a, a great angle now. Let's get more aggressive. And then the approach shot pattern, it's not the size of a tee shot, but it darn sure isn't small either. And so they wind up making more pedantic mistakes because they think they're in a, a go zone. And essentially in golf, there's just, you know, to PGA Tour caliber pins, three, four, five yards from the edge of the green, there's just never a situation where it's a green light special. It just so rarely happens that you're not needing to hedge it a little bit towards the middle. But then the main thing that people need to understand back to, you know, not practicing on courses is the non-uniformity of course design is really a big problem why you can't just give generic middle of the green advice. 18 at St. Andrews is 52 yards wide. Number 10 at Pebble Beach is 17 yards wide. Middle of the green on those two holes mean completely different yeah. things. And that's yeah. one of the biggest, you know, issues for teaching course management. Yeah, like it. I mean, for me, one of the quick tips I would give, and I do, I give it to so many students. I've been saying it in videos for years, and I just don't think enough people give it enough uh, practice, is knowing the, sh I mean, you guys have mentioned it a lot, and we've mentioned it a lot through this podcast, shot patterns, the term shot patterns. Like, I am not aiming my nine iron the same way I aim my three wood from the floor or my least lofted hybrid from a tee to a floor shot from the floor. It's a little baby fade from a tee. It draws. I don't fight those patterns. I learn them and I play them and the amateurs and the day-to-day -day golfers that I can get finding their shot patterns with different lofted clubs. And that inc incorporates how they strike it, which influences the shapes they hit stroke distances they hit with those clubs 
to even when they strike it out the middle, knowing what the patterns are from a tee to the ground and those kind of nuances, it, it's low hanging fruit. And, and for me, that's the big takeaway from today's pod for people, hopefully. I honestly, and I think you guys would probably agree here, for most golfers listening, the, the day-to-day golfer, the handicap club golfer playing with their mates, good strategy is low hanging fruit for lots of them, isn't it? You know, they're all practicing, working on getting the perfect takeaways, which is doing next to nothing. There's just low hanging fruit that they're not touching by trying to get their strategies a bit more sensible. Would you not say? It's by far the lowest hanging fruit. I mean, yeah. it, there's not even there's not even a second place because it's by far the easiest. I could I could caddy for an eighty or ninety shooter and use their skills and for sure knock four to seven shots off of their score. I mean, the next day. They just waste that many. And you know, like I say all the time, if you finish a round of golf and you think I should have shot lower, which we do basically every single time we tee it up, you either aren't as good as you think you are or you made mental and strategic mistakes. There is no other option. And, and yet there was no orchestrated, organized way historically to work on those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Lou, happy with that? You think it's low-hanging fruit, don't you? I think it is the lowest hanging fruit, as uh, as Scott mentioned. And I, I think there's so many players that um, could pick up a, a half a dozen strokes literally overnight by learning more about core strategy and implementing something. And with some of the players I've talked to, it's interesting. Once they start to formalize a, a strategy, and I'll use decade as the example, Prior to having that strategy, I've had more than one golfer. I've had many golfers tell me uh, prior to learning decade, when I would stand up for an approach shot or for a shot off the tee, I didn't have a target. I was, I was hitting it that way. I was hitting it somewhere. I didn't really pick anything. And, 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 and the ball ended up in a lot of crazy places and the ball still ends up in crazy places, but I'm picking very particular targets now that I'm implementing a strategy and a way to think my way around the course and a way to plan out my shots. And I think that is a, it will alone result in lower scores, um, even just picking a specific target rather than just standing up and wailing away. Yeah, 100% agree. It goes to the old uh, shooter's cliche or adage, whatever it is they've tried to bring in, aim small, miss small. And what I actually use for that in golf is aim small, miss big. Like, yeah. you're going to have big misses, period. But like you say, the, the brain, the human body is amazing at doing what it does. Like, we still can't figure out how it does 95% of what it does automatically. But just giving your brain a very precise, very small target, a very clear intention of what you want the shot to do, and then trusting you're probably not going to come anywhere close to it, but you're going to come closer to it by having a very small idea and game plan than just, like you say, Lou, just hitting it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. There we go. Um, Hope everyone's got something from today's podcast. Strategy, definitely low-hanging fruit, definitely can help people with their emotions. And this game definitely wants to play with our emotions. Um, let us know in the <laughs> let us know in the reviews down below. Leave us some stars if you're enjoying the podcast. Any other um, topics you want us to tackle? Maybe contact us on social media or leave a review as well, telling us what you would like us to talk about. But definitely get out there, think about your strategies more, and start really monitoring what you're doing out on that course because there are shots to be won back without you having to change your goal swing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hack it at golf podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure.